0: Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Reform. Over the next two episodes, we're gonna discuss the importance of diverse representation in the primary education system, as well as at the collegiate level. Last month, Jenna Kanner and I had the privilege of speaking with Dr. Daryl Howard, who's a public school educator, author, and a leader for the Building Our Network of Diversity project, also known as the Bond Project in Montgomery County, Maryland. The Bond Project is focused on the recruitment, retention, support, and development of male educators of color at all grade levels in Montgomery County public schools through mentoring and professional enrichment. Dr. Howard's expertise includes the study of race and gender equity in education, and he received his PhD from Howard University in African-American and black studies. His book is entitled Complex People, Insights at the Intersection of Black Culture and American Social Life.
1: So thank you so much, Dr. Howard, for being here with us and letting us interview you for this project. I was wondering if you'd be able to start out by telling us a little bit about yourself and the work that you do.
2: Yes, I will. Thank you, Jenna and uh, I appreciate being a part of this um, important conversation that you all are are having with different folks. A lot of my work has been centered around race and culture. Even as, um, as a school counselor, I always thought that uh, cultural competency was important in being able to deal with um, and relate to different groups of people. And now as a um, equity specialist, my job is to help people, help educators um, in particular, become more culturally proficient, to help them to understand that race and culture does have an impact in the way they engage students, as well as the way they instruct students. So I'm, I'm proud to be part of this conversation. I appreciate
0: it. Well, again, thank you so much for being here. We're really, uh, we're really interested in learning more about your insight um, with your years of counseling and in education. So speaking of which, can you further kind of dive us into what social emotional learning is. And as educators, why is it so important to incorporate the social and emotional learning when it comes to education?
2: The, the definition of, of social emotional learning, uh, most people look at the uh, collaboration, Collaborative Association for Social Emotional Learning, which is CASEL, which is out of Chicago. And they look at five core competencies, which are self-awareness, um, self-management, which is really about emotion, emotional management, um, social awareness, uh, responsible decision-making, and um, building relationships. So, those are the five different competencies that fall underneath of the social-emotional uh, learning umbrella. What's important about those is they're important for everybody to know, whether you are in kindergarten, whether you are in 12th grade, or whether you are an adult citizen. Um, ideas around relationships and um, ideas around making decisions and um, the way you see the world, and the way you manage your emotions are part of the everyday learning and what we should be learning about ourselves. The way that culture plays its role is that we are all, we all see the world differently, oftentimes through our racial and cultural lenses. And so the way I have learned to interact with folks, um, and the way you all may have learned to interact with folks may be different based on our upbringing, um, that cultural upbringing, and that in our identity established through that, um, but also our interactions in public spaces and the way we feel we have been treated or have treated others is all part of the way we see the world. And we're constantly processing that. We're constantly thinking about that, particularly in in these days and times. What what becomes problematic about social emotional learning sometimes is that people feel as though you, people feel as though it, it tries to encourage compliance. Um, so it's like, these are the rules that we need to follow. These are the rules that everybody follows. This is the way everybody looks at the world. And we all know that that's not, everybody doesn't look at the world the same way. You know, if I come up to you and I'm having a conversation with you and I use my hands a lot, or if I'm within the, the arm distance, like some people may say, hey, you're a little too close, or some people may receive me in that way because they're used to, um, to close contact or a lot of expressive uh, motions in, in communication or whether I'm looking you in the eye or whether I'm looking down at the ground, um, the way I'm interpreting all of that, the way you're interpreting all of that, all of that is part of social emotional learning. And the key is for students to be able to kind of figure some of that out. But the only way to figure it out is we if we try to if we try not to 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 generalize it or make it a uniform practice, we're all figuring it out independently for ourselves. Um, some people would say that social emotional learning is um, white supremacy with a hug. Like this is this is the way the world operates, and this is the way you need to do it, and this is the way everybody's going to do it, and this is the way it works perfectly. And we know that those norms and understandings can be can be very different. Um, in people's lived experiences, so we just need to be mindful of that when thinking about being social emotional learning. And and as a counselor, that's kind of like always been my always been my area of interest, um, helping students to find out their own identity. And then most importantly, once you find out your own self, just make sure that people don't feel like others in the spaces that we all exist. Everyone needs to feel like they are included and, they, and like they belong. And I think that's the, that's the common rule that we need to have. Everyone feels as though they, they have their voice in that space.
0: Absolutely. Um, would you say that as a counselor, and again, working in education and in that forum, that social emotional learning more so than being learnt and taught via textbook, would you say a lot of that was learned on the job um, and improved through working with students one-on-one?
2: So as 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 a counselor, I think I had adequate training to be able to recognize certain things about student behavior and wanting to look at students through um, their individual stages of development, being able to look at them through various aspects of, of gender, identity, race, um, socioeconomic status, education of a parent. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of a lot of different things when I'm in, interacting with every student. Do I think that every educator is prepared in thinking about their work in that way? No. Um, but I think as a counselor, I think most of us come prepared with some understanding of there are various aspects to identity, whereas a lot of times teachers are more so focused on content, delivery of instruction, um, teaching to the middle, um, and oftentimes like colorblind Mm -hmm. practices, which the goal is to be fair, right, so it's like I'll do this. If I do this thing, then that means that I'm being fair to everybody. But fair is is equal, but fair isn't always equitable. It's not giving every student what they need. So I think, um, I think teachers have a little bit of a different training, um, which doesn't allow them a full grasp of social emotional learning. So
1: We learned a little bit about the bond project and we were just wondering if you could explain your experiences with this project, advocating for black students and also what parts of your own education caused you to implement this project within the school systems.
2: Okay. So the bond project in um, as an initiative in MCPS and now really a regional and I would, dare I say national entity in terms of people being able to recognize this work that we're trying to do is rooted in the, the recruitment, development, retention of male educators of color. Mm-hmm. So nationwide, there are 2%, um, 2% of the, the educators are Black and Latino men. And we know that our schools don't look like that in terms of the diversity of our students. So many of our Black and Latino male students um, are spend spend the majority of their educational career under cross-gender. We already knew that cross-gender piece, but now we're looking at it, it's like a cross-cultural piece as well. So you're spending your entire educational career under cross-gender and cross-cultural supervision. The the research is 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 clear that if you have a Black male educator or Latino, Latino male educator um, during your educational career, I think it was like grades three through five, the likelihood of you graduating goes up exponentially. Pursuing higher education, you know, goes up exponentially. So I think it's that type of research and just that understanding. And, and even in the state of Maryland, I think the last time I looked at it, 81% of the teachers were women and a large number of of them are white women. Um, And that's fine. What the the concern is that 50% of our student population we know are gonna be boys, well, roughly 50%, right? So when you are constantly engaging with an adult um, instructional figure who does not understand how you learn as a male student, I think, we have some concerns that need to be looked at and explored to see if we can figure out some some solutions to them. And one of the solutions has been creating an affinity group that allows male educators who are already in in the system, in the profession, um, to feel valued, to feel as though they're not alone in their schools. Because some schools, they're the only male educators. Some schools are the only black male educator or what have you. Um, and so we want to make sure that they have a space where they feel valued. They don't feel isolated. They're also getting additional training and professional development through our work. Um, and so that's the main thing that we wanted to do through, through the bond project. This year, we've included empowering students um, as part of one of our pillars. So now it's recruitment, development, retention, and empowerment. Um, Because we feel as though if male students of color had more positive experiences in school, they would maybe want to be educators when they grow up. Um, So it's kind of like a a theory of practice, if you will, theory of action. Um, for us to provide spaces where students are interacting with um, some positive male influences and may get a different look at education as a a viable profession. Um, And so we've had a couple of different public forums with um, male students of color. And this summer, we are hosting a virtual institute um, which looks at social emotional learning, uh, which looks at leadership, which looks at cultural identity, and which looks at current events. Um, because what we've noticed um, during this period of, of COVID is that um, we said, we're going, like, you know, the bond group said, hey, we're going to have a book club. We need to kind of just connect, check in on each other, as well as continue to elevate, elevate our craft. Um, So we've been doing that. And then we were like, wow, we don't want to leave the young guys out. They need to talk about what they're seeing on TV, too. Like, we're all stuck watching the news, watching TV, watching these images. And many of them are disturbing. Um, And they're out of school. They're not having a lot of social contact with their peers. So we said, let's start an institute. And so we have a virtual institute. We meet on Wednesday evenings and Saturday mornings. Um, And we talk about those four different elements that I mentioned, um, because we wanted to provide a space for them. So that's where we are now with um, our work as men, but also our work of giving back to the young people.
1: That's awesome. I think um, in a lot of different fields, it's really important to see people that look like you and come from similar backgrounds to inspire you to go into that field um so Mm -hmm. along with that um because of racism and systemic inequities and inequalities um black and brown individuals are more likely to be um, taken into the carceral system um how do you think that mentorship and peer-to-peer learning um and all these things that you kind of bring up and reinforce with the bond project can impact those who are most at risk for the carceral system
2: uh So being comfortable asking somebody questions that you don't have answers to is important. So creating that space to ask questions and say, Dr. Howard, Dr. Harris, Mr. Smith, what if you had this situation? How would you handle it? And and being able to get an adult's perspective um, adult that you, that you may look up to, adult that you trust, um, I think is incredibly important for disrupting, disrupting those types of systems. Um, another thought is, and I've always believed this since I was a, since I was a young teenager, um, what is it? The, uh, an idle mind is the devil's workshop. So when people have things to do, um, that keep them constructively engaged in things. I think that's it, I think that's an incredibly powerful um, tool and, and, and resource as well. Like we were supposed to take um, just a hundred students for this institute, we ended up taking. We stopped at one hundred and seventy um, because the 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 um, requests were overwhelming. And I just had to make a hard stop. I had to just stop looking at emails, unfortunately, because I felt so bad, and every time I was just like, "Okay, one more, one more, one more um because I know the value in in having um constructive outlets to to learn and engage and grow and be challenged is incredibly um is incredibly important for our boys um so now of course, this ends on August first. So now, what I'm thinking about doing, um, we're not going to host another institute, but I'm thinking about opening up a, a book club for those who want to continue to stay engaged. Um, and I know book club, I know book club, is going to be a a challenge, right? Because most students aren't going to jump at at joining a book club. But I'm going to I'm going to test to see how serious they are about staying connected, about learning, about the engagement, about critical thinking, about all the things that we've been teaching them, I wanna see where we are with that, where they are with that, more importantly. Um, so we're gonna create another space through a book club. We're gonna look at um, Stamped by Ibrahim Kendi and Jason Reynolds, who's a pretty popular uh, uh, teen, teen author. So um, I think that will be a an appropriate choice for, for the time that we're in. Sorry, go ahead, Neha. All
0: right, I was just gonna say it sounds like uh, the pandemic hasn't slowed you guys down at all. Um, that's wonderful to hear that you still have all of these programs that are going on virtually. So then I have to ask, how has, how has the pandemic, how has COVID-19, how has it caused more challenges with the program? And um, can you, have you been able to visibly see how it's widened some disparities of some students being able to access programs like yours and other educational programs?
2: Yeah, yeah. Um, I think everybody's trying to figure that question out. I think right now we are operating out of instinct. I would much rather meet with with these young men in person. I would much rather meet with my colleagues in person. Um, I spend way too much time on on Zoom. Like I, I, you know, I say I have a love hate relationship with Zoom. Like I hate that I have to be on here so much, but I, I love that it's the one thing that's allowing me to stay connected but I think all educators are trying to figure out how to deal with the the imbalance, the inequities, the inadequacies, the deficiencies, the limitations that we all have in trying to um, do the job that we love to do. The good thing about this is that is that chaos and dare us to like disorder, if you will, um, is allowing us to a moment to think differently and to see how far we can push new ideas and and change some of these things. Um, and I see that happen even with the word anti-racist. Like I I've, I've been using anti-racist for years, right? And now everybody, like my grandma knows about anti-racism, right? So it's like people who were never talking about it before, but um, it's like this new code that's being introduced that is not allowing people to sit on the fence any longer. Like, I'm not racist, but you're okay watching all of this racism around you. It's not allowing people to do that anymore, right? It's either I'm not, you know, I'm racist and and I'm okay with everything the way the country is right now and I'm happy. Or I'm pushing back against some of the things that I know need to be changed. It's like you're going in one direction or the other. You can't just kind of just hang out and just watch people have their have their neck nailed on for for eight minutes and 46 seconds like you just can't watch that and just not feel anything. Um, so we're pushing people now. And I think I think some of that. I think it begins a lot of time with just just language, just changing something as simple as that. Um, which can make a thought into an action.
0: Well, again, Dr. Howard, thank you so much. This has been so informative. Um, and last question, uh, we would love to hear what comes next for you and what comes next for the bond project?
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, what comes next? Good question. So we have a retreat next week where we, be, where we will begin planning our um, our activities for the fall and for the spring. Um, so we'll try and figure out where we sit in the current health pandemic and, and how much we can move around or, or not. Um, so bond is, is, is constantly in motion. We, we presented in front of the Board of Education on Tuesday this week. And um, we spoke to many of the things that we are doing within the district, and we believe that there will be a more informal relationship that's established, Um, but we don't know the particulars of what that will look like, so we're still trying to figure some of that out as well. Um, As for me, I was just... um, selected to be part of the Maryland State Department of Education's um, new task force on the elevating, elevation of um, academic achievement and equity for black boys. Mm -hmm. Um, And as I think I mentioned in our previous conversation, that's like one of my areas of research, my areas of interest. Um, I think if we can deal with that problem in a a way that makes sense if we are not afraid to look at the the data, the disproportionality around the achievement gap, around the school to prison pipeline, around um, suspensions, detentions, expulsions, arrest, police violence, like, if we can deal with some of those disproportionality disproportionality in in an honest way, um, and look at some um, potential policy changes that could impact that, I think we, I think that would be a win. That would be a major win. And so it's it's this this idea start this started this task force started before COVID hit, um, but now that the events in between mid-March and now have certain take, certainly taken this conversation to, to a new level. Um, so I'm excited to be part of that um, as one of the things I'm doing individually. A well, bond is kind of like to be determined. We're still gonna be active. We're just not certain on how that, that looks going into, into the fall.
1: Definitely. Well, thank you so much for talking to us. We really appreciate it and we're so excited to have other people learn more about the bond project and about your work um, and hopefully maybe work with you to have some of these things um, implemented not only in the school system here, but also um, across the country to make a more equitable um, world for these students educators. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, 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 again, I appreciate being um, asked to be a part of this. Um, and I look forward to, um, to the next steps and what your final product is and how we could, could work towards um, moving some of the ideas that come out of this uh, project forward. So again, thank you, Jenna. And Nuha. All right.
0: Thank you for joining us for our conversation with Dr. Howard. As he mentioned, this summer the Bond Project hosted their first virtual learning and leadership institute as an opportunity to empower male students of color through advanced leadership skills and awareness as social emotional learners, all while exploring the current events of American culture and race conversations. Join us next week as we continue this conversation with Dr. Jason Otley, another Washington, D.C. native and the executive director of the Bond Educational Group, not to be confused with the Bond Project, that invests in the lives of underrepresented minorities through education and entrepreneurship. See you then.